Hey y'all, it's your girl Jazz Pearl and welcome back to Journeys with Jazz. Today I am recording episode two, which I'm super excited and I wanted to give a big shout out to the listeners so far that listened to episode one. For episode two, I have a special guest and it's my first very guest on my podcast, so I'm super excited and who I'm bringing on today, his name is Davian. His Instagram handle is at underscore artistically Davian, and he is my little brother that I like to call, and I'll let him introduce himself. And for today's episode will be about our approach to becoming a dancer, teacher, and choreographer. So glad to be here. Like she said, my name is Davian. Um, I'm 19 years old, born and raised out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been dancing um ever since i was about six years old i started dancing as a gospel hip-hop dancer at my church later on when i hit like 14 13 i joined the nba dance team Milwaukee bucks young bucks dance team from there uh got my mentor um named cedric gardner started dancing with the boys and girls club um at the don and sally davis center um we got to do lots of fun things, which included like Monsters of Hip Hop, where I started my training with them. Um, we did things like Dancing for Daya and Pepsi Recycling commercials, ESPN, and other things of that nature. And now I'm 19 and just continuing my dreams as becoming um, a more professional dancer day in and day out. Fun fact, I met Davian in 2020, like right before the pandemic. And I guess we probably just met on social media, on Instagram, and I saw that he had a class, and it was a free class, and I showed up unannounced. And another fun fact, I was living in Chicago at the time, and this class was at Salute Society, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So my ass drove an hour and a half to go to this free class that I didn't even know like who he was or like what he was about but I just wanted to go and just like support whoever was offering this and be open-minded and try new things so literally the minute I got there he was outside of the studio just like greeting everyone and like was so welcome and he gave me like a big hug and I was like, wow, like, kill him with kindness, Davian. Like, he was being so kind, and, like, the class didn't even start yet. So that's kind of, like, our backstory and how we met. And then ever since then, um, we've just grown this, like, younger brother, older sister relationship um, ever since then. That was a pretty uh, fun class, honestly. Um, it was It was one of the best classes I ever hosted um, at Salute. Um, it was a dance that came out of literally nowhere, and I was just so excited to teach it. 2020 was the year of my graduation, so I wanted to start it off with a free class, just bringing in good vibes with, you know, other dancers, and I'm so glad you came because it became, like, such a great relationship um out of it a brother like you said a little brother big sister relationship and one that has been nothing short of amazing and yeah (laughs) no I definitely agree like if I never like gave you a chance I guess I should say like we would have never met or 
maybe would have met like later in life but i believe like everything happens for a reason and first impressions matter like let's really focus on davian's presence and his kindness even before the class like that's going to make someone more drawn to somebody is just because of that human interaction like that's what really stood out to me and obviously still stands out to me like two years later so I think with anything that you do, always have a good first impression because they definitely last. This is a perfect example. Very much so. Now that you got to learn more about the special guest that I have, we are going to dive in into some important topics that we believe have a lot of value that we want to share our knowledge about with dance. So our first topic is going to be about traveling and training and i'm going to let davian talk about his experiences with that topic i started traveling um at the age of 14 for dance uh, i was a uh, again with my mentor cedric when i first started traveling and my first ever dance training that i started traveling for was monsters of hip-hop which is um, one of the biggest com- hip-hop conventions, I should say, um, in the dance industry. It's very well known. They have successfully, out of their own convention, breeded a lot of strong professional dancers that are still working to this day. And it's been nothing short of amazing. And they're actually the reason why I still travel a lot now and... Um, have grown so much outside of, you know, my mentor himself and other experiences, but they're a catalyst to, like, my growth. With traveling and training, it, it can it can get very tricky. Sometimes you 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 wonder why why you start to travel and, like, is it working off? Is it paying, you know? Are you taking too much time to travel? Are you taking too much time um, where you could be doing something else, you know, spending money that you you sometimes don't have? And you're wondering, is it really going to pay off in the end? And one thing I can say, oh, with all the traveling and training I've done, it has paid off. And people do recognize my growth. And I recognize my growth to say the that that's the biggest thing that you should know that if other people are saying that you're growing and you can't recognize it, then maybe you're doing something wrong or maybe you're not in the right headspace to be doing it. But when you can recognize that you have grown and you can acknowledge that, then you know that the traveling and training that you're doing is worth it and it will pay off in the end. Um, um, some things that I, you also get out of traveling and training is just the people you get to meet. Like I've met so many different people that train and have done this for around around the same time I've done it because they're older than me and all their hard work is paying off they're getting booked for like Lil Nas Bieber um you know Doja Cat it it it's all about the timing but you know traveling and training is really something that you have to put your foot down and say I'm gonna do this for maybe around this amount of time or I'm gonna travel this much in a year and, you know, it's really about the knowledge that you get from it. I've gained so much knowledge from so many different people um, that it's just crazy that I never thought that I would have to travel or 
train this much in like one time span like I've been traveling like almost every single month maybe not every single month but I would say like every other month just for dance and some people can't see why and honestly it's to those people that can't see why is because they're not on the same mind track as you. They're not on the same wavelength. They're not as passionate about something as you or they're just not as passionate about your thing. So, you know, traveling and training is really just a big thing of, hey, like, is this going to be beneficial to me? What am I getting out of this? Is this really worth my time? How passionate about am I? How passionate am I about this that I'm going to spend my hard-earned money? You know, that even goes into how much you have to work throughout the week and month to be able to travel and not worry about, like, expenses or if it's not worth it, you know? It's so much that goes into traveling and training, but honestly, the biggest thing is just to know that you will have fun. You get to meet new people, people that you can lean on and you're going to eventually take on the industry with later on in life. And you get to grow immensely because traveling, I mean, training in your own city, yes, it's fun, but there comes to be a point where you have to take that leap of faith and start training outside and, you know, growing in different areas of your dance journey. Yes, I totally agree with you, Davian. The people who get it, get it, and the people who don't, don't. So for any of you aspiring dancers out there, if you want to travel and train, like, just go do it. Like, don't look for validation. Don't ask for support from people who aren't going to understand you because you will find supporters who will understand you once you actually get out of your hometown and travel and expose yourself to different people and honestly follow your instincts if your instincts are telling you that you need to break out of your comfort zone and that you are willing to open your mind and open your eyes to new experiences then do it like nothing is stopping you except you and if you feel like money could be an issue well in terms of that you need to prioritize and budget so you can be able to go to these things and when I say things I'm talking about classes or conventions that you may want to attend that interest you You really just have to prioritize, like I said, your money if this is something that you really want to try. And there's no harm in trying at all. Like, after you're done with that experience, okay, maybe you don't want to do that again, and that's totally okay. But I think, like Davian said, is that you have to take a leap of faith and just fly. Just go ahead and fly and believe in yourself for that moment in time and You'll never know until you get there. So for me, I wanted to kind of bring up my experiences with travel and training. So basically, I'm going to fast forward to my early 20s because that's when I really started doing this, traveling and training. So basically, backstory, I've trained in Chicago 
and there was a class. It was a heels class by Chris Gale. If you know her, I absolutely adore her so much. She is just the purest soul ever. And she had a class in Milwaukee, and I took it. And after that, it was just a cool experience to just be around other dancers that I was not familiar with. And I think that idea of being around new people just really, it expands your mind, really, because these are strangers who are supporting you and cheering you on in class, especially when the choreographer, like, deems that in class and lets you know that this is a safe space and this is supposed to be supportive because what I remember Chris Gale saying in that class was that she's been in classes where people are giving each other mean looks and their body language is just very cold and she was like, you know, I don't want that environment for my classes, so I'm going to vocalize what I want in my classes and I want everybody to cheer each other on and support each other and get to know one another um, after class. So that kind of goes with the whole networking aspect of things, which Davey and I will touch on in the next topic. But in terms of traveling and training, like I said, that's kind of how I started in Milwaukee. I found that class through social media. Then I found other dance studios in Milwaukee, started training over there. And then I did conventions, uh, specifically Chaos, which Davia knows all about. Yeah. Um, we both went to Chicago. Yes. But I don't think we saw each other, or I don't... We did. We definitely ran into each other. Okay. Yeah, it must have been for like a brief moment, because there's so much going on when you're there at conventions. And then I went to Chaos Detroit. I don't know if you did. No, I didn't go to Chaos no. Detroit. Okay, well, that... That city was lit. <laughs> lit AF is all I'm going to say about that city. And then where else have I been to? Chaos. You've talked about monsters. Oh, I went to another Detroit one. It was literally called LA to Detroit, Heels Intensive. And that was a new experience for me because I was training in heels outside of Chicago for once. So being in that environment with other talented, very talented heels dancers out there was such a memorable experience for me because when you surround yourself with people who are better than you, and like I'm not ashamed to say that because the dancers around me were better than me, it definitely pushes you to want to be at that level because if you're going to surround yourself with people who are maybe at the same level as you or even like a lower level in terms of like experience or just style I guess that's not going to help you raise the bar like you need to surround yourself with people who are more experienced or knowledge or more advanced than you because I think that really pushes you 
to your fullest potential. Do you agree? Do you know what I'm trying yeah, to say, Davian? I think that's why traveling training is so yes. important because you're around other like-minded people. Um, and sometimes people that are in a better mindset than you about the dance industry that know a little bit more and that have trained in a little bit, in a little bit more, I guess more, how, how do I put it? More poised dancers. I think they used to say back then. Mm-hmm. It's not a word you that use as much now, but I definitely get what you're trying to say about like being around people that are like better than you because it helps you grow like you shouldn't fall under pressure on people that are better you better than you should want to rise to their occasion and be exactly like, let's get there i want to get there like where you are like yes exactly raising the bar is what yes. you said yes i agree with that a hundred percent i wanted to quickly add this specific city that i have traveled and trained at and that city is Orlando. Shout out to any Florida listeners out there. I just wanted to bring this city in particular because I've had the most memorable times out there training specifically and I have really grown to love what different instructors out there have done for their community and one of them being at Chelsea Miranda. She is a heels instructor out in Orlando and she is a brand new studio owner and her studio is Exchange Dance Academy and she is somebody that I have had multiple experiences with training under her and she has been nothing but knowledgeable and is such an expert in her field of heels and she actually also has a heels team out there sirens of sis shout out to them they do amazing things out there if i lived out there best believe that i definitely would have took my ass to auditions and tried out (laughs) anyways also i wanted to bring up another studio out there and that is motive that is owned by marley hightower and that is also her instagram handle and i've taken a private from her And let me say, when you're training and traveling, definitely try to connect with any choreographer that you think that can bring a lot of knowledge to you. And for me at that time, that was Marley Hightower. My experience with one-on-one training is that as a dancer, it is your responsibility to stay present and to gain and learn as much knowledge as you can and you have to keep yourself accountable when it comes to taking all of that inside information that you learned in a private and making sure that you apply it to other future dance classes because if you only say you're going to a private this is an example you're going to a private you learn what you learn And then when you leave, you kind of just forget about it and you don't really apply anything that you had maybe conversated with that choreographer or had learned something new about your body and you don't further that into your future dance career. I think that's something that as a dancer, you have to make that choice. Like, what am I going to do to be the best student that I can be in that moment? And that is why I highly recommend privates because... If you have that mindset that you know that you're going to be able to 
take what you learn and apply that in the future, it's huge. I think that's a huge stepping stone for anybody. So I think in terms of that, definitely book a private with one of your favorite choreographers or a choreographer that you know that you can learn and value their knowledge and expertise in their field. All right, so that wraps up our topic about travel and training. And now we're going to move on to our second topic, which is networking, supporting, and personal branding. So Davey and I have a lot to unpack on this one, so I'll let the special guest talk first. Um, see, this topic is probably, like, one of the most things I preach to so many different dancers new and some that are like already in it but networking is something that could be a little tricky um because sometimes you never really know how to do it like some people are some of the best dancers but they don't really know how to talk to people the right way or maybe not the right way but just really have a vocal conversation that involves you know really talking about what you want, I guess, you know, in the industry and how to go about that. Like, networking shouldn't always just be about, like, hey, I want to dance with Justin Bieber. It should be you getting to know a person and seeing what they have to offer you. And that's not just about, like, opportunity. That's about, you know, they are a great person. And I feel like they are very good with... um how they word things and I feel like I could really take away from take that away from them like you know I I think it's about like build I think what David is trying to say (laughs) is like it's about building a relationship versus like just trying to benefit off someone because you know they have connections to somebody I think maybe that's what you were trying to explain it really is it's about building that relationship it shouldn't just be hey you dance for Bieber like can you, like, get me in the door? Like, what do I have to do to get in the door with Bieber? It should be about, like, hey, I really value what you do. and Like, as a choreographer, as a creative director. Exactly. But it I... has to come from a genuine place. Exactly. It's because this was not genuine, then I feel like you're not really going to get anything from it. It's just going right. to be, oh, yeah, I know Justin Bieber's choreographer. But that's really it. And people are going to look at you like, what was the point? If right. you're not really, like, going anywhere with that. Like... And that can lead to so many different things. Like, we wonder why so many people in the industry are getting places. And, like, you know, we we know as anybody in the real world, industry world, artist world in general, like, it's, it's that term, it's all about who you know. So, you know, that is a great term to remember. Like, it's all about who you know. But also with that statement, it's all about who you know. Are you really friends are you just associates are you just a recognizable face for them to be like oh yeah i remember you like the one guy that dances in class you know and that's all they can remember like that's probably why you're not booking sometimes and not to say that like you're going in the wrong direction to say that the reason why you're not booking is just because you don't know these people or because you're not that memorable but it's all about again it's all about how well do you network and you know the conversation Sometimes you can't see them all the time like their friends do. But it's about how you put yourself in front of them and, like, how how marketable you make yourself. And that goes into personal branding. Like, with this personal branding aspect, 
um, it goes into, like, first of all, people hide behind names. And, like, it's, it's, like... That's some tea. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was told by, like, a person that helped me rebrand myself that I need to stop hiding behind artistically gifted and musically talented dancer because it's, like, it's not saying that I'm Davian if choreographers are now looking at, like, social media pages to book people and I shouldn't be going by artistically gifted because it's hard to find me. It's, like, okay, well, I was looking for this guy named Davian, but I can't find him on social media by just typing in his name. So I guess, it's like, he's just going to go over my head, like, right now. Like, I needed him now, but, like, I can't find him. So it's, like, going by, like, artistically Davian on Instagram and social medias are, like, helping me because it's, like, now people are, like, oh, yeah, I've seen your Instagram before. Like, I know you. You're, like, once I say my name, Davian, they're, like, oh, Freestyle Beast, you're Davian, like, you know, and stuff like that. Like, that helps my branding because it's, like, oh, people are, like, yes, like, look at Davian. Like, this is his Instagram. We can find them fastly, like. You know, also when you go to your Instagram, like, yes, I know we want to do like personal things. I guess with Instagram is or social media in general, it's all about like, what do you want people to see? Like, I've looked at so many different dancers and artists' page that I'm just like, okay, it's different for each art outlet. Like, for musicals, artists that are like already there, like, we just see everything. Like, we see their personal lives. For like upcoming people, they're very nitpicky about what they post. And that's all about because you're not fully established and you're not in the door. And yes, we want to be those type of people that are like, they should accept me for who I am and stuff like that. Yes, we can accept you for who you are, but are you fitting what we need you to fit right now? Because it's it really boils down to a brand, a name, and you know, do you fit that brand in that name? And sometimes you may not fit it, and sometimes you will. And I'm not saying be scared of what you post, but if you want people to value you as a dancer and you want people to be, um, you know, more drawn to you, maybe don't cuss as much on your page. Don't put too much cussing in your captions. Maybe don't put too much that you're into nightlife all the time. Like, maybe not post everything time you go out and you drink and stuff like that. Or... Have a close friends. Like, if you want to post stuff like that, have a close friends list, most definitely. I agree. I agree (laughs) 100% again, because I feel like Davey and I are on, like, the same wavelength when we talk about these conversations, because we understand as professional dancers that... You want to represent yourself in the best light and you have to take your Instagram page seriously and you have to view it as a business because that's what we all are and that's what we're showcasing to the world. So I think he had some good points in terms of like guidelines that you should maybe set yourself up for because at the end of the day, people want to hire you because of one your talent, but also the professional side of you. Like, they don't want to know, like you said, what you did at 2 a.m. at the club. Like, they don't want to see that. And that's something that, like Davian said, you can still do if that's what you want to show, but maybe limit yourself in terms of, like, or not limit, but, like, set your boundaries and put that on your close friends list. Or have a private Finsta if you really want to. <laughs> right. Your Instagram is like your resume. Honestly, yes. it's like your resume before your actual resume. Like, 
Yes. It's what people, it's how people see you in, in, the, in your own light. Like, you get to control what's on your Instagram. You get to control that. So it's like, post your dance videos. You can post you in the good dress that you're wearing to the club. But maybe don't post what happened in the club. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? It's, it's just, like, the personal branding is a crazy thing. And then if you, when it comes down to this, last thing that I want to say about this specific topic from my end mm-hmm. is just that, like, something I said at, like, a showcase we recently just had, like, support. Like, with this, like, the personal branding, the networking, like, it all ties in. It all ties in because it's like you build your brand, you network yourself, but the thing that ties it all in is the people that support you and knowing your support system and knowing that as well as Instagram is your resume, it's how you build your your support system. I don't like to say the word fans, but it's because fans are you're basically your they're your support system they're the reason why you stand they're the reason why you get so many places they're the reason why you keep going sometimes so your support system because they support you in more ways than one so you know if you're trying to build a support system make sure you share, you share other people's things like don't just be like oh like you know dming people hey can you share this but you don't really share other people's things and stuff like that like i hate a person that really just or I shouldn't say hey, hey, it's a very strong word. Dislike people that don't really support other people but expect me to support them back. Like I think that's called transactional. Yes, transactional friendships. Is that friendships. the word? Yes, transactional friendships. Yeah, like like, w- like what Davian just said, like it's one sided. Like you're asking for support of others but not giving that support back. I'm pretty sure that means transactional. Yeah. Something along those lines. <laughs> um, it's like you have to, you have to, be, okay, I also just said this to a teacher because he was like, your energy in class is so great. Like, I love it. And I told him the energy I give you in class is the energy I want to receive back. Mm-hmm. The support I want to get is the support I should be giving back. You know what I mean? Like, if I am giving all these people support and I'm reposting everything and I'm like, oh my God, you should go check the things out. No matter if I know them or not, they're more susceptible to be like, dang, let me support Davian too because he's been supportive to a lot of other people. Um, I recently just got this from a friend that um, we were just in Chicago together and she was like, man, you be supporting everybody and I just love that about you. You make sure people get their flowers. You, You recognize people for their growth. Like you really do go a long way with making sure people feel heard and seen. And that's because I want people to feel like they're supported too, just as people do for me in my hometown. And I want to do that for people in other cities that may not feel like they're supported in their city. And But I want them to know that I feel you from Milwaukee. And I feel like that's the reason why I've gotten such a boost lately in like my career is because of other people that are out of my town, in my town, have felt that I'm a genuine person across the board because all I want people to do is feel supported. And that's what this industry needs is for us to keep supporting each other. We want to keep going in this industry. You really need your support system. You need to network with other people. You need to build your brand in the right direction. Um, So, yeah. Yes. Very well said, Davian. I just kind of wanted to add a few points in terms of that. 
let's all remember that supporting is free. F R E E. Like I'm screaming free. Like all of this is free to support one another. And I think Davian and I are like both examples of that. Like we show up for others. And I guess for me and my story, how I able how I was able to network was by physically showing up to people's classes that I didn't know. Like when I was living in Chicago, I again drove up to Milwaukee an hour and a half away when I could have been driving five minutes away from my house to go to these Chicago studios that I already was at. But like I said earlier, I just wanted to expose myself and try new studios, meet new people, see what's going on outside of my own town. So that's why I went out to Milwaukee. And by me just showing up to a lot of different choreographers' classes is what how or is how I build those genuine connections because obviously I was a new face to the Milwaukee community so every time I showed up they were like oh like that's that girl from Chicago like who are you like what are you doing out here and I was like oh I'm just taking your class like it was just a simple thing like it wasn't anything serious or it wasn't anything like trying to benefit from them in any way because again I didn't know who they were and I just wanted to see for myself because I think a lot of times too we hear from other people on why we don't want to take from somebody why we do want to take from somebody and at the end of the day for me personally I want to find out for myself so I will literally drive my ass somewhere and go check it out for myself and then that way I can create my own opinion for myself whether or not I come back again so that's kind of my whole thing is really just showing up and showing your face and being genuine. Like, don't feel like you need an exchange back from that choreographer just because I took your class. Like, it shouldn't have to feel like, what is that, like a push and pull? Oh, yeah, like, definitely, because I've I've met some dancers that are even like, huh, I'm taking your class, and they're, they're like, book me for Bieber, like, right now, or, like, book me for this. Like, honestly, you won't get anything out of that class, honestly, because that's the only thing you're focusing on. You're focusing on, let me get in front of him so he can, I can be the next person he books for Bieber. Like, it, it's so much that goes into booking for a fact. Like, it's so much that goes into it, and, not, and it's not just about taking the class. Like, choreographers look for different things in, at different times, and it's it's sometimes about who's in their face at that moment. It's not about, you know... I'm just picking this person just because I feel like they're the best for the task sometimes. Or, let me take that back, because they are best for the task at the time. But not just because they're like, oh, yeah, we're best friends. I want to pick them. Sometimes they're actually picking them because they're like, they're right for this time. And they I feel like their work ethic, their overall look, their branding really fits into this project. So it really ties into a lot like they're very supportive to their friends i when i seen them in class they weren't closed off they weren't just like oh i'm taking this class it's just about me like they were being you know open to their energy like they were talking to other people checking up on other people you good sis you good you got this hype them up yeah you know you doing great in class you know like it's about the overall picture it branding supporting and 
networking, I feel like, do kind of correspond and go hand-to-hand. Yes, they definitely do. And, like, I still want to really emphasize the supporting because that can be shown in so many different ways. Like I said, that could be you physically showing up for someone's class. That can be you commenting on another dancer's dance video. And... Or like Davian said, when you're in class and you're on the sidelines and you're cheering someone on, there's so many ways to support. And I think that's why Davian and I both kind of get that reputation of that. We do generally support other people because it comes from a good place because we're not just doing it to benefit. Like we're literally just genuinely doing it because I think that's just how we are as people. Like, we are both very compassionate people, and we want to see people win. Like, there is room for anybody at the freaking table. Like, I feel like people are so competitive and think that there's, like, this hierarchy and all these things. But, like, at the end of the day, like, there is room for everyone. Like, think about all the influencers in the world, all the YouTubers. Like, there's so many different people, but not everyone has the same voice as you, and that's what makes you special. And that's why personal branding is something that we all should specialize in because not like I can't be Davian and Davian can't be Jazz Pearl. Like literally once you find who you are as a person and trust us, like it takes work. It takes years to become because a lot of this personal branding is not overnight at all. And like for me specifically, Like, no one knew who Jazz Pearl was. No one associated me with Lavender before. Like, it was all such an ongoing process that I didn't even know that it would lead me up to this podcast at all. Because when I started Instagram, I was only using it, like, just to post. Like, I had no reason behind why I was posting. I was just sharing whatever I wanted to share. And over time... There was that era of time, and I don't know if you remember this, Davian, but there was a time where it was Instagram was so saturated with perfection. You remember? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There was an era of time when Instagram was all about these perfect models and these perfect travel destinations and all these things. And I was looking at my dance videos that I was posting And at the time, it was only 15 seconds. It was only 15 seconds, and I would find the best 15 seconds of a dance class video that I wanted to show. So I did that for a while. But then after a while, I was kind of looking back at old videos and being like, wow, like, why am I, like, dismissing this journey, this process of me messing up in class? Like, why am I not being transparent with myself? And why am I not being transparent with others? Like, yes, this could be a very private matter, but for me, I was willing to share my mistakes and, like, my ups and downs with dance. So that's how I started Hashtag Jazz Journey was to to provide more context behind the videos that I was posting because I felt like people needed to know that I wasn't this perfect, quote-unquote, perfect dancer that I was trying to show myself. Like, in reality, like, maybe I had just done this combo 50 times and I finally got it. Like, 
I just really think the process for me specifically needs to be shared because I'm not who I am without those encounters. And in terms of like lavender and all of that, like that just came through time. Like I never thought lavender would even be associated with me. (laughs) But it's just the color that I actually used for a duet that I did for a show. It was called choreo classic it was hosted by coda which is a dance team in chicago um i was able to do a duet and that what that theme was lavender and i kind of just stuck with it ever since and i think it's good to have consistency with personal branding but like don't feel limited like that you can't change like your color scheme or you can't change like anything like a new version of you because I think that's a whole other topic of being different versions which I think I want to talk about just a little bit more because I have changed a lot with my journey I think before I was heavenly heaven not heavenly heavily <laughs> heavily should we tell the listeners that it's 1 a.m <laughs> I think we should so our energies are kind of all over the place. Yes. Anyways, back to focusing on my journey about changing is that I used to be very heavily into just posting dance videos only. Like, and you can do that. Like, I think we were recommending people to do that, you know? But I think over time, for me personally, I wanted to branch out and kind of show a new and improved jazz pearl. So if you go and check out my Instagram, which is at jazz.pearl, you will see I have a new color scheme. Like I still have lavender, but I'm also incorporating this like matcha green color into my life because to me that represents growth. And then I added some like a light, like a tan color and like a brown color, just kind of like more earthy vibes because I'm a Taurus and I'm very much so an earth sign. So I'm very grounded in that. So I kind of wanted to implement and show a new and improved jazz like it just wasn't just strictly lavender and I think it's okay to like explore new versions of you and show that to the world um because at the end of the day obviously I'm not known like I don't want to be known for just a color you know and I think people recognize that and I think people value that I'm more than just that obviously like I have a lot of kindness to give and motivational speeches to give in my classes, which Davey and I will talk about in another topic about mental health. But just to like wrap up the whole personal branding, that's something that almost like, not that it can't be teachable, but that's something like a journey that you have to find on your own and who you want to be in this world and like what you represent. I think that really takes time to dig in for yourself so we can only you know say much about our own experiences but to anybody who wants to enhance their personal branding just remember that it takes time in the making and you're going to have different versions of you that you like and that you dislike and it's all about trial and error so but the only thing that I want you to remember is just stay true to you like do not copy anybody like think that's huge. I think there's so many copycats, especially dancers. And like, 
I don't know. I think that's almost like, I don't want to say a backhanded compliment, but it almost is like if somebody was like, oh, Jazz, like you dance like blank. And I don't know. I guess for me, it's like, I guess that can be somewhat of a, what's the word? Like a compliment. But like I said, it's like a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Like it's a compliment. Like, thank you. But also like, that's not... 100% 100% me. Like, I need to be, like, Jazz Pearl dances like Jazz Pearl. Right. Like, that's what I need to hear. So I think, again, I guess I'm just trying to come to terms with personal branding. It needs to stay authentically you. Point blank, period. The next topic, which is mental health as an upcoming dancer. Take it away, Davian. Okay, so... This is probably one of the biggest things that you're probably going to have to ever endure in your dance journey is what, forget just dance journey, artist journey in general, like any artist, um, you're going to have to endure. I just want to touch base on first that a lot of artists do drop out of their passion because of their mental health. Um, uh, Some artists die from it. Some artists drive themselves insane because of it it's a lot can go wrong within your own art form because of your mental health um sometimes it stems from maybe like childhood trauma um you know livelihood trauma in general um it can stem from things that happen you know throughout your journey and other things of that nature with mental health though You have to remember to take time for you. And I remember I had the hardest time telling myself that because for the longest, I would tell myself, the traveling is for me. It's for my dancing. But you see what's wrong with that statement is because it said, it's for me. It's for my dancing. When I was treating my dancing as a punching bag more so than my stuffed animal that was there for me to talk to and cuddle with and that comfort me through anything I was using it more so as a shooting range to just you know keep shooting at and give all my problems versus just working through my problems and that's where I had to stop myself and be like okay I have a lot of things that I'm not fine with I don't think it's okay I haven't come to terms with it and I need to stop treating dance as the way to how do I put it to not escape because I do use it as like an escape like to be like okay let's let's like you know not pay attention to it but that's that's what it is I should use it as like this is where my happy place and this is where I don't want the negativity. Um, but I was using it as like a cop out and being like, you know, it doesn't exist. Like that just doesn't exist. Like when I'm at dance, it doesn't exist. When I should be like, it does exist because dance is going to help me get through this. I'm going to find a way through dance to help me get through this. And me and dance are going to tackle this together. And what's what's funny is I feel like it was different for me in my journey um, I had two points where it's like 
I really kicked in my mental health gear, which is at the start because uh, what some people are starting to find out that I've been telling people as I've been getting through my dance journey and trying to educate people more on like how I started and like, you know, how I get to where I'm going right now is that when I was a kid, I used to want to kill myself. And this was like when I was like in elementary school and things, I used to get bullied a lot and I had nothing really to like grasp onto to help me get through things except for family members. Um, I literally watched the movie Step Up and I fell in love with dance instantly. And I felt like that, like it found me, me and dance connected at that moment. And it took me to my happy place and I finally found it. And at that moment, my mental health was kind of messed up. Like, I didn't I didn't really know what to do. And so I feel like with dance, like, it really helped me. And then I, as I was going on through the ages, like, I was losing family. And I was just like, how do I get over this? Like, how do I, how do I, like, use it in a way that can not take me away from the things, but help me figure out a way through through them and to say that it was okay like everything happens for a reason and um with our mental health as dancers we already go through this thing where we're scared that we won't make it and others are telling us that we can't make this a career and we can't make this our you know end-all be-all and of course nothing will ever be an end-all be-all not even for rich people they still have to find some source of income or something to keep them afloat like it's nothing is ever going to be your end-all be-all so that's not the way how life works and it's sure not the way how the economy is going to let us bypass but that part (laughs) (laughs) it's like as dancers we have to remember to put ourselves first and sometimes you know that's even just sitting down and being like I don't want to go choreograph this class today like I want to sit in my room and choreograph for fun and I want this dance to just simply be for me. I have so many unreleased dance pieces that I'll be like, this would be dope to see on people. But that piece is a personal piece. It's one that I made up when I was feeling low in the moment and I want to keep it to myself. I don't want to share that story with other people. I don't want to like touch bases on that right now. Like this is just for me and I want to revisit this dance whenever I feel this way again, you know? Like this should, you should have moments for yourself. Like you don't have to feel obligated to do anything, um, which is another topic that we'll talk about later. But, like, your mental health is such such a great thing. And your mental capacity is also what keeps you afloat. Like, if you're scared when you go to conventions or any type of audition that just if you don't get it now that you're going to be a a letdown that is your mental health right there attacking you and that is you self-sabotaging self-sabotaging yourself Mm -hmm. if you don't get something in that moment it does not mean that you are not good enough it just means that that is not it's not for you it's not your moment right now and you need to be fine with that because you can also find growth in that where it's like okay i didn't get this let me keep working towards something else. I'm going to get better. If they said I have to work on, like, my lines, then I'm going to work on my lines. I know I'm going to be the best goddamn person when it comes to that next time, and I'm going to be better than ever. And tell yourself that I did good for what I can right now. And even if you probably know that you didn't do as good, be like, you know, I didn't do as well, but I'm glad that I still showed up. Like, that's the biggest thing that you tell yourself. Be kind to yourself. Take moments for yourself. 
And remember that this is your art form. You started this for a reason because you are passionate about it. Don't beat it up. Don't treat it, you know, like a punching bag. Treat it like your stepped animal or your best friend because that's what your passion and your talent is. It's your best friend is what gets you through your hardest times. And yes, it may be a struggle when you try to turn your passion into a career. But if you're going to do it, remember why you want to turn it into a career because you were so passionate about it that you wanted it to become your everyday life journey. Yes, I can definitely attest to a lot of the things that you just said, especially when we're talking about mental health and dance and how you said in the very beginning that you should not use dance as an escape from your real problems. They still exist. Like, I think that's very important to remember. They still exist, and that's something that you still need to face with time, but you can't let something like dance try to be that, like, I don't want to say distraction. What is the word? Hmm. Your panic room. Yeah. Like where you try to hide in there. And like... Yeah, right. I guess what we're trying to say is you shouldn't use dance to hide away from your problems. Yeah. Like, that's not a healthy way to live, one. And two, I think when Davian's, Davian was saying about that it's my happy place, I think that's a really important thing that we all need to hear because, like he said dance like there's a reason why we started dancing in the first place and it was because it made us happy like that's probably I think a very common word in association with dance that people do is because it makes them happy and I think that's something that you have to remember because over time it really is easy to forget about that because things start to become more serious or like you said you want to turn, you're at that pivotal point of, like, you want your passion to turn into your career, and things kind of get all haywired, but you really have to take time for yourself to be like, this makes me happy, so how am I going to continue that while I transition into a more career lifestyle? And I think I want to kind of add my backstory on, like, the whole mental health and dance thing, So for me, when I was dancing competitively on a dance team, I didn't really understand until later in life. But now that I reflect back on it, there was a lot of favoritism and a lot of if you were in the back, you're not as good as the people in the front. And that was something I never really understood in the time being because I think I was still, what, maybe like 16, like still learning and growing and didn't think too much of it. But kind of as time was going on, it was something that can be very damaging to the dancer. And I don't know if, you know, certain dance teachers are aware or not, but I mean, that definitely brings down your self-esteem Especially when most of the time it's not communicated. Like, you know, I mean, 
they don't need to tell you why you're here or there. Like, it's their vision. You know, you kind of say what you do, and that's why there's pros and cons with being on a team. But I think over time, it was like I molded myself into who they wanted to be, who they wanted me to be, and I conformed to that during that time. But, like, now that I'm out of that, it kind of gave me... I don't want to say a boost of, I'm trying to think, not a boost of confidence, but like a boost of like realization that my mental health kind of started, started to grow from that era of my life. Because I don't think a lot of people realize that it can start young and you don't even realize that until you're older. And, like, to add on to that, my story continues is that I eventually got burnt out with dance. Like, I was just over it. I think it was just I was dancing with two companies and training every day, going to conventions every weekend, competing every weekend. It just gets draining, especially when you are you know, at that teenage, like there's so much more that you want to explore in life besides dance, but you're kind of trapped in this box of just dance only. And I think for me, it was like that burnout happened for three years. And that was really sad because I was missing my happiness and I think once I figured out that I need to start going back into dance, that's literally when I think my mental health even went further down. Because when I was taking these classes in training, I was very negative about my self-worth and I was very self-sabotaging myself. And it was to the point where I would take class And if I wasn't selected for a select group, like, I would just diminish myself. Like, literally didn't think I was worth it at all. Like, why am I even here right now? And thinking about the past of, wow, if I had trained those three years, like, I would have been so much better now. Like, I would have been selected. Like, you think of these, like, overthinking thoughts. But then after I, like, kept thinking so negatively about myself, I was like something needs to change like this shouldn't be the way of why I'm dancing like I shouldn't feel like I have to be picked to be noticed or to feel good about what I just did because for me retention was something that I had to relearn because I wasn't consistently taking classes and for those people who are always asking like how do Davy and I like both be able to like retain choreography so well in such a short amount of time? It's literally consistency. Like you have to keep taking classes and training yourself to learn from choreographers in kind of a fast pace. And over time, like you're able to learn that concept of like learning, I guess, should I say fast? Mm. I don't know if that's the right word. Learning fast. Hmm. Like, learning, I guess, at a speed that you're able to keep up with. There we go. Because once the choreographer choreographer moves on and you're still stuck 
on that like eight count like you have to realize like that's okay like that's where you are as a learning student yes like you can't beat yourself up and be like oh my god like i'm so behind like i don't know like you can't panic you can't put yourself in that desperation mode of like oh shoot like i need to figure this out i think i learned from a choreographer that always start strong because everyone's gonna kind of fuck up at the end like yeah Always keep your focus in the very beginning, and then as time kind of dwindles down, that kind of shows you where you are in your dance learning progress, and that's a way that the next class that you take, you could be like, okay, kind of in the middle is kind of where I get kind of lost, so that's kind of when you need to really tune in and focus on, like, connecting that eight count to that eight count. I think it's just little tips and tricks on how you can improve in that aspect, but... In terms of going back to like mental health, I think I was I was able to overcome all those negative and self-sabotaging thoughts because at the end of the day, I showed up for myself. And the most courageous thing that you can do is literally show up like because it's hard to get out of that bed and not have those thoughts about why I should go to class or who's going to be there. Like, oh, this person's better than me. Like I literally if you've taken my classes, I've preached so many times about mental health because it really it really hits home for me because when I'm teaching to students, I can see it in their face. I can see it in their demeanor that they are beating themselves up because they didn't get one freaking step. Like we have to remember that that 1% mistake that you did in class does not equal to your 99% that you've been keeping up. And I think that's really important. And I think Davey and I both preach that in our classes about like, I think our purpose in classes is we've learned from our negative mental health and we turned it into a positive one. And that's why we're such advocates in our classes, telling people to keep going, telling people that mistakes are meant to happen in class. Like, that's why we are in class. Like, you have to allow yourself to work through it. And him and I are both perfect examples of trying to get people through the class because there is so much more mental aspects of dance than physical sometimes. So I think it's really important that these issues are emphasized in class. Like I kind of just want to bring up an example that I did before is it was during COVID when we were wearing masks and everything. So, you know, classes were pretty popping at the time because people wanted to get out of their rooms and dance. And it was time for groups because I like groups because it gives you more space, one. And we shouldn't feel, like, confined in our little, like, one area, one inch of the room, you know? (laughs) (laughs) We need to branch out. And extend our movements. Anyways, the example that I wanted to share was that I asked for volunteers of, like, say, group of five. You know, whatever. Five people come up. They do their thing. We support them. Yay. Then I say, okay, another five. Another five comes up. Does their thing. Then another five comes up. And let's just say that this is the last group of people And let's just kind of paint the picture that people are kind of hesitant to go up there. I can see someone in the corner who I know didn't go but is standing in that corner. And I give them this, like, reminder. I was like, 
take the opportunities that are in front of you and remember that you're dancing for you. You're not here to impress me. You're not here to impress anybody else in this room. You are here for yourself. And if I was you, I would want as many opportunities to try to do this dance as many times as I can. So usually I try to be like that first person when they say like first five volunteers, like I'm ready to go because I'm not trying to miss my chance because I missed my chance plenty of times. I remember I was in a room and I kept telling myself, okay, the next volunteers, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Nope, hesitant, because there's already people who are ready. They are ready to go, and I'm not. And then by the time the class was like, oh, that was it. And then I felt like so discouraged because I was like, Jazz, like you are limiting yourself. You let yourself not have an opportunity. When somebody is giving you an opportunity, you need to take it because you're not always going to get picked to show your opportunity. You just have to go. So that's why in my class, like, that's a perfect example of kind of reevaluating your mindset and being and asking yourself questions like, why didn't I go? Was I scared? Did I think I was going to mess up? Am I afraid of people judging me? Like, these are all thoughts that are valid, of course, but those are also thoughts that you need to overcome. And maybe you're not going to overcome it instantly, but that's just a good reminder and something to reflect back on when you look at classes because I think that's really important because the only thing that's holding yourself is you especially when you have choreographers and teachers like Davey and I who expressively tell our classes that this is a safe space non-judgmental there's no pressure like just dance like I think if anybody is struggling with their mental health with dance, like, remember, like Davian had said, be gentle with yourself, be kind with yourself, but also know, like, find that stem in yourself to ask yourself, like, why am I afraid? Or why am I, don't think I'm not worthy for X, Y, and Z reasons, like, I don't know. It's just something that is very, you know, sensitive to each person. But I think Davy and I just want to be kind of those real life stories of how we came from a very, very low place, but we're able to turn it around for ourselves and to share with others in the space that we create. So I think both of us should be very proud because mental health is definitely something that is not easy to overcome. And it's something that I'm still dealing with. To this day, like, it's, I think it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process, you know, and you have to be real with yourself too, because I guess we're, we're not here to say like, we're on top of the world. Right. Because we're definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more just saying like, fight the battles with patience and know that pain is temporary. Yeah. And that you're going to be on this roller coaster. You're going to have your really highs. You're going to have your really lows. You're going to have all the in-betweens. But you just have to focus on where you came from because where you are today is what you imagined years ago. Exactly. So, yeah, that's our insights on mental health as a dancer and i mean it you don't even have to be a dancer listening to this like right. it it resonates with anybody because at the end of the day self-sabotage is a real thing and we all do it 
We exactly. all do it, whether you admit it or not, or are aware of it or not. Like, it happens because that's just. I think that's just human nature. Like you're gonna have the self doubts. Yes. This and that, but what is the change that you're going to make to overcome that is like a question that you have to ask yourself. Because you can either repeat the day or you can evolve. Exactly. So our last topic is going to be centered around the power of no. And we also want to tap into pay transparencies because I don't think we hear enough about that, especially in the dance industry. I think a lot of the times people like either to gatekeep or we like to pretend that we made more money or even F any money. <laughs> like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. It's like a facade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to tap into this topic, which is like, not that it's funny. Like, this is obviously serious, but I guess it's just like funny for us because it's just like something that we've kept behind closed doors. Like, we usually would talk about these things, but I think now we're ready to like, open it up and again what you hear today is all based on experiences and there's no standard or anything like that well i take that back i guess the dance alliance yeah is starting to create more of an updated standard i should say Mm -hmm. but anyways that's a whole other topic Um, but we can start with the power of no yeah the power of no and pay transparencies first of all i just want to say that you should never feel obligated to ever do something no matter where you are in your journey where you are in life um i feel like saying yes should be a privilege to other people to get a yes from you like it should be as much as it is a privilege um to go do the job it should be a privilege for them to have you on the job you know Like, yes, they can find somebody else, but they chose you specifically first to go to. Or secondly, even just having you on the list to go to is a privilege because you worked hard for them to be like, okay, yes, we need this person, you know? And if you want to decline the job because it's just not the right timing for you, then don't feel obligated to. Like, as artists, we always feel obligated to say the word yes because we feel like that's the way, like, people are like, oh, don't decline any job. Like, don't do this. Like, because, you know, that could be get you this place, get you that place. Okay, well, sometimes it's not the right time for you. Like, honestly, you can say no. You can be like, I just don't have the money to make that flight right now. Yes, you're going to pay me back, but I just don't have the money right now to pay for that flight, you know? Like, it's it's so many things that us as artists, we feel obligated to be like, we yes, 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 I'll do it. I'll drop everything. And you're sometimes you're sacrificing for something that might not be as beneficial as you thought it would. And I think we just have to learn the power of saying no is it's that the word no means that just not right now. Honestly, no just could be not right now. No, I don't want to do it. I'm just not in the right state of mind. No, I don't have the money to do it. But it honestly is just saying saying no should be something that we use in our vocabulary and just be fine with saying the word no and it's something I'm still learning how to learning how to do because even sometimes for me as an upcoming person, upcoming artist, like I'm like, okay, I, I should just do it because like when am I gonna have another chance to do this? But there are times that I do I'm starting to say this a lot, like no, I just 
I just don't want to do it. I'm not I, I'm not going to be ready at this time because I have something else that I have to prepare for at this time. And I just can't get ready for this too. No, like I just don't have the time right now. I have something else going on. You know, I, I'm fine with saying no. Yeah, I think it's basically just about setting boundaries for yourself. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. And even the power of no is like saying that if a choreographer tells you no, not this time, it's not the end of the world. It's just not right now. As much as you should be able to say no, you should be okay with receiving a no from somebody else in any shape or form because it just means, hey, I'm not equipped for this right now. or Hey, I'm not feeling well right now for this opportunity or this thing that you want me to do. And then, like, touching bases on, like, pay. I wish you guys could see our facials right now. Our facial expressions. I'm like, pay. Like, as artists, I feel like some, as artists in general, even, like, painters, singers, like, the entertainment industry is just as such a weird standpoint and it has been for a year. I mean, not a year. Years. It has been for years. You know, just with how do we pay certain people. You know, I haven't done that. I haven't done big, big jobs yet, like award shows and stuff. But I've heard from other people because I have friends that are, again, in this industry and do these big award shows that it's hard to get paid sometimes. And that's hard to get paid. Sometimes the pay is not right. You do it because you want to put it on your resume, but you know the pay wasn't as good at that moment. Like, it's crazy. Like, and this is where the power of no comes into it. If you get your contract or you, you're told that you're not going to get paid um, until... Emphasize the contract first. Yes, emphasize the contract because first. Because if there's no contract, probably red flag one. <laughs> yes. If there's no contract, what? what no. Like, if you can't get a contract, at least, what, like, I would in say... In advance. And, yeah, in advance, but at least, like, a week prior. Like, minimum a week prior to your day that you're supposed to fly out and the day that you're supposed to start, red flag. Because unless they say, like, hey, we have contracts upon arrival, but they tell you all the details before, and then you get there and you're like, okay, let's see if this contract is the same, that's different, like... You know, for me, I've definitely looked at my contract and be like, okay, this is not right. I've gotten told details. I'm like, okay, you said one thing, but now you're saying the other. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've definitely been that type. And I've done, this is my learning lesson. I've done a job before where I have looked at something and I've been told something. I'm like, this isn't right. And then I've gotten there and things were still a little bit wonky. Um... I'm not going to put names in anything out there because I'm not that type of a messy person. But just be, like, more careful and, again, willing to say no about certain things because it really does go a long way about you saying no because you can dodge bullets with it from, you know, going down that mental health road of, dang, was was this all for nothing was I really worth it that they just use me because I'm not worth it? Like, you know, and stuff like that. And all boys down to it. And with the pay thing, like, just know your worth. Like, and also know that um, sometimes pay is not based on 
your worth is based on what others have, like... Like, their budget? Yeah, their budget. It could be one thing. Yeah, it could be one thing. Like, it could be based on what they have in their budget. Sometimes it's based on the value of you, and that's with other certain situations, situations that I haven't been in yet, but I know about um, from, like, some things that I've heard through the grapevine. Not saying that they're fully true, but, you know, but... Something about, like, pay rate. Also, when you set your pay rate for things that you can't control, when you can't control your pay rate, make sure you have you know what you're showing for it. Like, don't just... If you're starting off to teach and, like, the job is like, how much do you want me to pay you? They're saying that to be generous and be like, well, let me value you as an artist. But if you're going to go based off of you know you've only taught, like, one class and you know, like... It wasn't as good as you thought it would be. Don't sit there and tell somebody you want to get paid $100 right off the bat. Like, start off with something that you know is feasible. Like, hey, can I get paid? Like, it's, it's like a two-hour class. Can I get paid, like, 60 for these two hours that you are? Maybe, you know, like, 50. You know, be very generous and courteous because us as artists, yes, we are upcoming. We're starving artists. I don't even like to use the word starving, but I'm going to use it now. Like, us as upcoming artists, sometimes we tend to be greedy, and that sometimes gets in the way of when you want to get paid, and we just automatically think, yes, I'm a dancer, you know, dancers in the industry are already going like this, you have to remember that you're not in the industry, and you're trying to make way for you to become into the industry, so you have to be generous and very smart about how you set your rates, like, as you go, and then once you have the credit credibility built up, the the things to show for it then you start to charge more yes i agree again i know i keep saying that after each topic but it's like i truly do with the power of no i guess i just wanted to like touch on my side of things i guess i have a i guess i can start with the story and i'll keep it brief as much as i can um I got contacted by this, obviously I'm not going to be messy either and like say names or anything like that, but by this, I'm going to say quote unquote choreographer. Uh And I was approached to be a dancer for an artist in a music video. And let me say this artist wasn't like a mainstream artist at all. And... The choreographer asked me if I could find other dancers, which back then, this was like a few years ago, I said, yes, I would do that. But now looking back, that's definitely something that you need to have trust with the choreographer for you to open up your connections to that person, one, or two, like, to me... If I was to do this again, like, I would ask for, like, a fee because I'm taking my time and asking my resources about if they can dance for somebody that I don't really know is kind of a far stretch. And luckily, the people that I asked trusted me enough, but it was almost to the point where, where was this trust with me and that choreographer? You know, it's almost like I'm the middleman. And I didn't like that years later. So obviously, like, I'm in the moment, I'm just saying, okay, kind of being just like, okay, yeah, I can do that. 
So I'm doing that, finding the dancers, not really giving my giving them much detail because I had to pry it out of the choreographer. And that's something that I feel like I don't understand why people can't just give information. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's because they're not organized and they don't have a location to practice yet or times or what, but when you don't, when you're not given much information, it's just kind of like a slap in the face, like a disrespect in terms of like, you'll, I'll tell you when I know, like, and then I have to adjust to your lifestyle. Like, no, like I need to know in advance because the questions that I have are the same questions that like my dancers have or my friends have. Anyways, found a group of people to do it. Um, I asked if it was paid and he said it this time it was not, but in the future it would be. And that's something that in the time I feel like I was so new to it and I kind of just was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I'll do this one for free this one time and move on forward. Because to me, it seemed like there was longevity in it. Because when you work with a choreographer, an artist, you want to continue that relationship. You don't want it to just be like a one-time thing if you really want this to be more of like a stable thing. Anyways, I have these dancers. We show up to rehearsal, and the artist is going to be coming like, say, I don't know, say at 9 o'clock, the artist is coming at 9 o'clock. The dancers and I are there, let's say, 8 o'clock. We're ready to learn something in an hour before this artist comes so then he can start, like, whatever, doing his part. I get there, and then the choreographer has says, Hey, Jazz, I only have, like, a four count. I need something. I need choreography. And I'm, like, in this predicament because I'm, like, wow, as, like, the kind person I am, I was, like, okay, yeah, like, let's do this. Like, let's figure it out because I'm trying to, like, be productive as we can. Anyways, we take almost, like, the whole hour to figure something out for everyone. Let's remind you, these dancers who were not getting paid just wasted a whole hour of their time while we're trying to figure out shit in the corner. And... We get it done and whatever, the artist comes and we do the dance. Then let's just move forward to the day of the shoot. So the day of the shoot, there's a model and the model is talking to the dancers and is saying like she's getting paid. And that's when we were like, oh, that's weird. Like, why would you get paid and not us? And... Then later, after the shoot, the artist, like, talks to me and is, like, asking about um, if I got paid or something like that. Or he was trying to say, like, oh, like, yeah, next time, like, the pay will be a larger amount of money. And I was confused because I was like, what money are you talking about? Like, the choreographer said that this was free or that we offered to do this for free and he was like oh he was like no you guys were supposed to be paid he was like I gave the choreographer x amount of money and he said that he distributed it to you guys and that's when I like was pissed off because one it wasn't even about that 
it wasn't even about the money, right? It was more about the ethical thing. Like, this choreographer that we quote-unquote trusted, like, is going to basically scam us out of our money that we didn't even know that we were going to have. And just to keep it short, like, that was just a whole fiasco. And, you know, I confronted the choreographer, and the choreographer was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll give you, like, some of it. And, like, I didn't even want his dirty, sleazy-ass money because that wasn't the point of me confronting him. I was like, the point of me is that I am no longer going to be working with you in anything, and I don't even want to say I'm going to expose you because I do believe in forgiveness. I do. However, I won't tolerate what you did to me and my dancers, so I'm going to tell them the truth. So I told the dancers the truth, and I told them each to their own if they want to continue a relationship with him, but I chose not to. So that was kind of my way of communicating to dancers that this was happening because I just didn't think it was fair at all to anybody. But I gave them the choice if they want to continue on or not because I don't have... That's not my state to be, like, controlling in that way. Because that's their judgmental if they want to go on or not. So, I just I just brought up that story because Young Jazz didn't know when to say no. Because you see so many... You kind of see opportunities that can maybe flourish for something, but sometimes you have to take that L. And I think that was a very... Very big L and something that I learned about ethics and all that stuff in terms of, like, a job. So now with, like, the whole pay transparency thing, I guess I kind of want to touch base on that, too, because I hate saying the word starving artist, too, because why, why are we not getting paid enough? Dancer is sacrificing you know, give their all and everything for what back? Like, we just don't receive anything back. Like, we do all these investing, you know? But, like, what do we get back? And it's not a lot, and it's really sad. And I guess that's in terms of being, like, a dancer. I'm trying not to be vague. But I guess guess what I can really speak upon more so is, like, teaching rates. I think I want to talk about this. Um, when I started out teaching, I had my mentor, Chris Zayrath, which I had mentioned in the first episode. He was the one that introduced me to my first teaching gig because he believed in me when I didn't. Um, and I asked him about rates and he was at, he was at a point where his rates obviously were high and in demand. Like he was an in-demand choreographer. For me, starting out, he told me to price mine at, and this varies, so, like, I don't want to say these numbers and think that, like, you have to, that's my starting point. Like, you have to kind of evaluate your self-worth and if you think that you deserve higher or lower. Um, Anyways, my starting rate was 30 an hour, 
And at that time, I was working at Nike making 13 an hour. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to start teaching. Like, this is my life. Like, let's get the bag. Like, I'm ready to go. Anyways, as I'm moving on with my teaching career, it was like 30. And then, like, over time, it got to, like, 50, 60 an hour. And you also have to remember, too, if somebody doesn't have your rate in their budget you don't have to negotiate if you don't want to to go lower like you don't have to like that's just not your clientele like there will be somebody out there who will pay you what you're asking for because there's different types of um what's the word income levels i guess or budget levels so that's kind of where i am in terms of that and I know again it varies and this and that but take what you want from that I just felt like I wanted to share that because I feel like people don't know that or they just guess or assume that part yeah so and that's like me just being based in you know Chicago and Milwaukee I know it's so different in every other place so again Take what you want from that. It's just a grain of salt. But just do, like Davian said earlier, like pick a rate that you feel comfortable with, like that you don't feel like you're bending over backwards for something, like actually feel good after you leave um, the job, basically. In terms of the whole dancing thing, I mean, mine have varied so much. Yeah, same. Like, I think the biggest one I got for myself was like a 600 and that was for like the greatest showman and that was like a few years back that was actually my first paid gig and I was like again head over heels because I was like wow like you can make so much money like thinking that was so much money oh my god no and then like I was tapping into bar mitzvahs like that was paying like 300 maybe average around and that was like on the weekends and It's hard because that might seem a lot to somebody or that might seem like not shit to somebody. But at the end of the day, it's like you're scrambling to find what's next. And I hate that about the dance industry. I do. But I think that's the nature of it, though. Yeah. It sucks because I remember I can't remember who said it, but somebody said it at a convention. And they were like, "Okay, you booked that tour with Beyonce. For the summer, what are you going to do after those three months? It'd be like that. Because, like, if that's someone's (coughs) biggest goal, it's like, now what? And I, ugh, I don't know. Maybe, like, in the next episode or whatever. Actually, no. I don't know yet. But kind of, there's so much to unpack. And, yeah, I think I unpacked. We unpacked. Yes. A lot. Hopefully this is just like a good episode two of Journeys with Jazz featuring Davian. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. And again, tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and watch out for whoever the next special guest may be. Again, if you want to be a part of this, 
just dm me email me everything is in my instagram bio like let's connect i will be open to talking to anybody and anybody because this isn't just this purpose of this podcast is not just dance heavily dance related like yes i have a lot of experience with dance and a lot of my friends are in this industry but i'm so open to talking to anybody else who feels like they need to be seen or heard and i think this is a great way to do that so thank you guys again and thank you so much davian for being my first special guest thank you sis (laughs) you're welcome Bye, bye guys